Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Well, hello, Connect Church. Uh, My name is Stephen Boyer, and I just want to start by saying it is an absolute honor and privilege to be with you all online today. Uh, I have known Chris and Tyler for a long time now, Um, and so I've been very aware of what God's been doing in and through you guys as a church, and it is now uh, just a joy to be with you by sharing God's Word with you all today. Uh, In the last several weeks, you guys have been in the middle of this U-Turn series, Uh, Culture tells us a lot of different ways that we can find the good life. Ways that we can find the good life. Things like money, our cars, our houses, uh, vacations, things that we can attain or purchase. Uh, Things like self-actualization and self-awareness. Things like freedom. Uh, Our culture makes a lot of promises of how we can live the good life how we can find meaning and purpose and value in this life. But what you've been looking at in the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus provides some some different ways, some countercultural ways in which we can find the good life. Uh, And specifically that, that as we follow him as his disciples, as we follow the way of Jesus, we can find the good life. Uh, That by following him rather than culture, we'll find the things that we really are in pursuit of. Things like meaning, purpose, value. That Jesus offers those rather than culture. However, in the Sermon on the Mount, there are a lot of hard sayings, right? Things that are difficult for us to attain or things that might even seem like we can't quite grasp it. Things that that seem impossible even. But the really cool thing about God's word and the really cool thing about Jesus is that he doesn't challenge us to live in this countercultural way and then leave us hanging. It's not as if Jesus is saying, all right, here's what I'm calling you to now. Good luck. No, he actually leaves us a resource. He gives us a resource for how we can follow him faithfully. And so our passage for today, uh, we'll be looking at that very essential resource to following Jesus and living the life of a disciple. And so we'll be hanging out today in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. And in this passage, we will see that Jesus provides for us the much-needed resource of how we can follow him faithfully. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there with me. Or or I uh, also know that you guys have a church app, which you can locate the passage there as well to follow along. This is what the word of the Lord says, starting in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. 
Uh, as Jesus shared this with his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, they would have had the Lord's Prayer in the back of their minds. You see, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shared with his disciples the Lord's Prayer. Uh, simply, the disciples had seen this, this regular rhythm, this regular pattern in Jesus' life, where he would go to be with the Father in prayer. Uh, and so, simply, they asked him, Jesus, you talk about prayer, you, 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 you emphasize prayer, but how are we to pray? What a great question, right? How are we to pray? And so in earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus provided a model for prayer, how we are to pray as his followers. This is what it says, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And it's important for us to look at this model for prayer before looking at how we pray persistently, because this would have been the context in which Jesus was sharing our passage, Matthew 7, with his disciples. And so, in a sense, the Lord's Prayer provides the foundation upon which we build as we look at persistent prayer. And the Lord's Prayer provides for us the proper posture we are to have as we persist in prayer. Uh, it's, it's the foundation upon which we can then pray persistently because it does some really key things. Uh, a New Testament scholar by the name of Royce Gordon Gruenler shares this about the Lord's Prayer. The basic format of the prayer is accordingly divided into two sections. The first is directed vertically in glorification of the Father and in petition that His name be hallowed, His reign realized, and His will accomplished on earth as in heaven. Where the first section, verses 9-10, through 10, focuses on the Father, the second, verses 11 through 13, focuses on us, give us, forgive us, lead us. The priority is important. For according to Jesus' own formula, the second set will not function without the first in place. You see, if we don't get the first part of the Lord's Prayer right, that there will be a, a tendency, a temptation, a, a, a propensity to then approach prayer in the wrong way. Our, our mindset won't be shaped correctly. Our, our posture won't be accurate. And that's the, the case because Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 provides three crucial realities about how we, how we are to approach prayer. First, we see in verse 9 that we are to pray by approaching God as our Father. We are to approach God as our Father. And I think it's easy for us today in 21st century America to look at that word father and think that it's, it's sort of this cold, removed, sterile type relationship, uh, like a, a formal relationship where there isn't any sort of intimacy or, or relational connection going on there. However, the word that Jesus was using there is much, much closer to what we know in English as, as daddy. Jesus is, is telling his disciples, he, he's telling us that as we approach God in prayer, we are approaching our Father. Uh, not, not a Father who is, is far off or cold or indifferent or, or hostile to who we are, but, but rather a Father who is near and loves us and cares for us unconditionally. A God who is gracious and merciful 
and near. As we pray persistently, we, we approach our Father. And the last 11 months or so now, I've begun to better understand what this means. Uh, on December 19th, 2020, my, my daughter, Riley Joy, was born. And, and I am now beginning to better understand elements of what it means for God to be our Father by being a Father. And as I've learned what it means to be a father, I, I realize more and more that one of the things I love doing most is just being with my daughter. Uh, she's not talking yet, so it's not like we can have a conversation, but we can play together, we can be together, we can just be even in the same room as one another. And that's one of my favorite things to do. And Jesus doesn't make a mistake when he calls God Father, that we are to approach God as Father because God just desires to be with us. And so when we pray, we are engaging in a relational act because our God is a relational God. And so it's important for us to remember that as we pray, it's about a relational connection. Secondly, we see here that as we pray, we are to hallow God's name. Uh, it's about a worshipful posture. Uh, when Jesus says this, it's as if he's saying, hey, when, when you pray, remember to revere God's name, remember to honor God's name, remember to place God on the throne. Remember that as you pray, God is on the throne and you are not. As, as we pray, God is on the throne and we are not. And that, that's actually a really good thing because we serve a God who is loving and cares for us and is, is perfect and just and righteous. We also serve a God who's sovereign, and so he knows best. But as we pray, I think we have a tendency at times to uh, have our preconceived notions of how things should go. However, when we approach God as Father, as, as we approach him in a worshipful posture, it helps us remember that he's on the throne and we are not, which then enables the third important posture as we approach prayer, one of a yielding mindset. Jesus says this, that as you pray, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to have a yielding mindset as we pray, the type of mindset that, that Jesus modeled for you and for me in the Garden of Gethsemane moments before he died. As Jesus was ready to approach death on your behalf and my behalf to pay the price that you and I needed to pay for our sins. As he was getting ready to do that, he, in the garden, was praying to the Father. He says, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, may this cup pass from me. But he also said this, not my will, but your will be done. You see, a yielding mindset is one of approaching prayer instead of like this, but approaching prayer like this. I'm saying, God, you're on the throne, so you know best. And so your will be done, not my will be done. You see, the, the Lord's Prayer provides for us the way in which we are to pray. Uh, then our passage for today, a, a postscript to the Lord's Prayer, teaches us the way in which we are to pray. It gives us more direction on, yes, here's the model for, for how you are to pray. Now, here's the manner in which you are to pray. Our passage for today fits within the second half of the Lord's Prayer, the part of needs, requests, desires, and petitions. 
So in verses 7 and 8 of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus explains that we are to pray with persistence. Look with me again in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You see, as Jesus is sharing this with his disciples, he's saying, as you pray, pray persistently. The ask, the seek, the knock, it's, it's as if Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray a lot. Uh, don't just pray for something once and then leave it. No, as you pray, pray persistently, pray regularly, pray all of the time. So that, that way, as you pray, it's not just this one-off type of thing, but it's a, more of a, a life pattern of praying persistently. And I think at times when we pray, it can be easy to assume that, that God is indifferent to our needs. Or, or maybe even that, that God is far off and he doesn't really care. But what Jesus is sharing here is that as we pray persistently, God's answer is certain. That God will certainly answer our prayers. But at times, we're tempted to believe that this means that God will answer in a way that we think is best, right? That, that as we pray persistently, God will simply give us what we want or what we desire. Rather, Jesus knew that as we pray persistently, yes, God will answer, but as we pray persistently, God is also going to do something inside of us. As we pray persistently, God teaches us how to trust. It's easy to pray for something once. It's easy to ask for something once. But doing something persistently requires trust. What if it doesn't turn out like you'd expect? Or what if it doesn't quite pan out the way that you'd hoped? And around a year ago, a little over a year ago now, the Lord really taught my wife Jenny and I a valuable lesson on persistent prayer. Uh, if you've bought a home in the Denver market in the last like three years, you understand that the market is really competitive. Uh, not only that, but prices continue to rise and it seems uh, just really difficult to break into the market. And so fall of 2019, my wife and I started to pray for a house. And at first, our, our prayers were, were pretty vague, pretty simple. God, would you provide us a house? Well, then fast forward to Christmas time that year and, and we had been living on campus at Denver Seminary and we moved to live with my sister for a season to save money for a down payment. And as we moved away from Denver Seminary, we realized that we really loved that area of the state, that we really enjoyed South Littleton. We enjoyed the restaurants, the coffee shops, uh, Inside Scoop ice cream, and the South Platte Trail. Uh, we had created a regular rhythm as a couple of walking on that trail every week. And so we knew that a desire of ours was for our next home to be in that, that area of the state. And so as we felt this desire inside of us, our prayer then became, God, not only would you provide us a home, but would you provide us a home in South Littleton? And then shortly thereafter, we got a dog. And uh, we were living in a third floor apartment. And I'll tell you what, potty training in a third floor apartment is not much fun, right? Running up and down three flights of stairs multiple times a day trying to avoid accidents is the very definition of a nightmare. 
And so as we were doing this, it then became, God, would you provide us a house, a house in South Littleton? And God, would it also be a place with a yard for our dog? Well, then the world shut down because of COVID and, and all of a sudden everything became really uncertain. The housing market got even crazier and it, we began to ask, like, is, is this really the right time? Is this really the right time to buy? Well, then we got the wonderful news that my wife was pregnant. And let me tell you what, our persistence picked up quite a bit. We knew my wife was pregnant and we were living with my sister. And so it was then, okay, God, now would you provide us a house? Uh, would you provide us a house in South Littleton? Would you provide us a house in South Littleton with a yard? But God, would it also be move-in ready? A place that we could move in right away because I was wrapping up seminary and didn't have the time or really the skill set to work on house projects. And my wife was working full-time. And, and so we knew that we weren't going to really have the bandwidth or the capacity to work on a lot of different projects around a fixer-upper type house. So our prayers picked up. And then we found it. We found the house. We found a little townhouse in South Littleton. Uh, two bedrooms, two bathrooms. It was updated. It was moving ready. It was about five minutes from the South Platte Trail. And it even had a yard for our dog. And so we worked with our real estate agent and we submitted the offer and then we waited. And after a couple days of waiting, we decided to go on a walk as a way to just kind of process and think about what we were feeling at that time. And, and it, while we were on this walk, I remember very vividly just sharing with my wife as we were walking, you know what, I, I know that God hears our prayers. I believe that God answers our prayers. But if I'm being honest, a lot of times I doubt that God really wants to give us good things. I mean, didn't he know that we needed this house? Uh, it, my wife was pregnant. We, we wanted to have our own place. We needed a yard for our dog. Didn't he know? But I was wondering, does God actually give us good gifts? Maybe you find yourself there today as well. Maybe there's something that you've been praying for for a long time, and it seems like no progress is being made. Maybe you've been praying about a relationship or a work situation or uh, something along those lines and it seems like no progress is being made. It's easy for us to question God. It's easy for us to doubt, does he really care? But Jesus then provides, with us, provides us with some really timely encouragement in verse 9. As he talks about, as you pray persistently, here's God's character as you do so. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. See, Jesus is saying something really essential about God's character here. He's, he's comparing uh, an earthly father to our heavenly father. And he's saying if, if an earthly father knows that if their child asks for bread or a fish, if, if that type of father knows that, well, the right thing to do is to give my child then bread or fish, how much more then does our heavenly father know what we need not only that, but how much more then does our Heavenly Father desire to give us 
good gifts. You see, the certainty of God answering our prayers is there. We, we know that God will answer our prayers. And we also know because of what Jesus says here that the answer will be good. But that doesn't always mean that the answer will be what we have expected or desired it to be. You see, the way of following Jesus is the way of, of not looking to self or culture, but it's the way of looking to our Father, the giver of good gifts. This means at times that when we pray, we might actually ask for the serpent or the stone. Though we think we're asking for the bread or the fish, we might actually be asking for the serpent or the stone. And so we might even pray fervently for those things. But because we serve a good father who gives good gifts, though we pray for the serpent or the stone, he'll actually give us the bread or the fish instead. He'll give us what he deems is best. He'll give us what he knows is best, being a good father who gives good gifts. You see, God cannot contradict his character. And because he's a good God, that then means that his gifts will also be good. That means his answers to our prayers will also be good even if it looks different than we expect. But we know that as we pray persistently, God is also shaping us and changing us and informing us into the image of Jesus. And that's what Jesus is then getting at here in verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. It's as if Jesus is saying that by praying persistently, God will empower you for the task of living as we've been called to live. As you pray persistently, God will shape you and form you to live in this countercultural way that the Sermon on the Mount talks about. And then as we better understand the goodness of God through the relational act of prayer, we will then be compelled to do good to others. We'll be, be compelled to love others sacrificially, to put their needs before our own, uh, to live as Christ has called us to live. Because as we better understand God's character and prayer, we will then be compelled to reflect that to those around us. And so we were on the walk, and in one of my smaller moments, I shared with my wife, I don't really believe at times that God desires to give us good gifts. Does he really desire to do so? So we finished our walk, we got home, We've been home for a few moments, and uh, I saw that the real estate agent, my friend, was calling. And so we sat down on the couch, I answered the call, and uh, before long it was just, hello? And then I think he knew that we were probably in this anxious moment, because rather than cutting to the chase, he's like, hey, how are you guys? How's your day been? And in the back of our minds, we're like, dude, come on, just cut to the chase. Let us know. Did we get the house? Did we not? What's going on here? And so as a few more moments passed before long, it's like, well, hey, are you guys sitting down? I have some good news for you. You guys got the house. You guys got the house. God had answered our prayers. He provided for us a townhouse in South Littleton two bedrooms, two bathrooms, it was move-in ready, and it even had a yard for our dog. Ironically though, my dog refuses to go to the bathroom on turf, so I still take him out anyways. But nonetheless, God had answered our prayers. You see, persistent prayer pays off. 
Persistent prayer pays off because as we do so, God shapes us and forms us and molds us to faithfully follow Christ in our lives. And I can stand here today knowing that the most valuable thing that God did in answering our prayers was not providing the house, not specifically answering what we had prayed for, but the work that he did in my life and my wife's life to remind us that persistent prayer is is less about getting what we want and it's more about the work that God does inside of us, of teaching, teaching us what it means to trust him, teaching us what it means to look to him, teaching us what it means to rely upon him. And so my, my challenge for you all this morning is, is simple and it's straightforward. My challenge for all of you would be to pray persistently in your private lives, but also to continue to pray persistently as a church. And specifically by prioritizing your pray first services the first day of the month every month. I know it can be easy at times to get our schedules jam-packed with activities and events and time with friends and so many other things. However, as we've seen in God's Word today, we are to pray persistently, not only in our individual lives, but also as a church. So in just over a week, you guys will have your next Pray First service. So would you value that time? Would you prioritize that time so that as a church, you can continue to press into that value that you hold? So with that, be the type of people who pray persistently. The type of people who remember that, that prayer is a relational act that's done in a worshipful posture and a yielding mindset. That as we pray persistently, God changes us and transforms us and molds us and teaches us what it means to better trust him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the way that it teaches us and shapes us and forms us. And God, I I thank you for the important reminder to pray persistently. God, to remember that as we pray, we aren't just to kind of pray some of the time, Lord, but we are to pray persistently. We are to pray a lot. We are to pray tenaciously in a sense. And so God, would you help all of us to grow in that way? Would you help all of us to recognize the need to pray persistently? And then would you give us the desire to do so as well? God, give us a hunger and a thirst to do so. God, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. We pray this all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.